0: This is the Race Like a Girl podcast, where you always get a -a one-of-a-kind RC talk experience from the female perspective. Our motto is to always strive, to beat the guys. So without further ado, here are your fuel-burning, four-wheel-drive turning hosts, Katie and Mackenzie. Welcome to the Race Like a Girl podcast. We are super excited to get an episode out to you today, and we have a very special guest with us. But first, we welcome Derek Harris back onto the podcast. So thanks, Derek, for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Glad to be back.
0: And then our special guest is Dave Leicham of the Race Time Entertainment event. So welcome, Dave. We appreciate you coming on the podcast with us tonight.
2: Hey, Katie, Derek, thanks for having me on.
0: I follow both your haunted houses and your uh, kind of race time events on Facebook. Both intrigue me. So what I want to start with is what came first, RC cars or haunted houses?
2: Yeah, the the RC car thing came first. Um, uh, my good friend Oliver Aspinall and I, we were at the uh, some race in alabama it was called the the southern indoor classic or something like that and that was kind of like our first big or my first big indoor rc car racing event and uh we left there we had a great time and on the car ride home we just kind of got to talking and saying hey you know we could do this different and that different and i think we could we could probably uh It, you know, I wouldn't say better, but maybe put our own little flavor to it. So, uh, so we kind of started kicking around the idea about doing an event, something that would maybe go 24 hours, kind of around the clock, just to mimic what the snowbirds do in on-road. And, uh, so after talking for a while and convincing ourselves that we should do it, that's kind of how the psycho nitro blast got started. And so we put the psycho together for a couple of years. And then I had been in the haunted house, uh, industry, uh, a few years prior to working, uh, for one of the bigger haunted houses down in Atlanta. And, uh, I kind of did that through, you know, my, my, my late thirties, mid thirties. And, uh, And so I kind of really wanted to do my own haunted house and kind of take that to the next level as well. And, and took me a few years to convince him to partner with me, but uh, he finally said yes. And then that's kind of how I got started with doing Paranoia.
0: Raytime Entertainment came before Paranoia.
2: Yeah, we didn't have a business at the time, you know, we were just kind of putting the psycho nitro blast together and then. Uh, Ollie just, he, he was, he had a change in careers and he got super busy with his work and, and that business kind of shot him up to the top. And so he just didn't have time really to do RC car racing anymore. And so I kind of took over all of the RC car racing events and that's when it became race time entertainment. So race time entertainment actually happened a few years after uh, the haunted house, was, was uh was born. But uh yeah, so it's been a wild ride so far. Um the haunted house is is just a big passion of mine and I've been working on it nonstop. I mean with all this COVID stuff, we've kind of been shut down. I think everybody's been shut down and it's kind of allowed me to focus hundred percent on building new sets. I mean we work on it year round and build new sets. We add different scares and, and, uh, different things for the customers to do outside and inside. So that's kind of what I've been working on for the, well, basically since the conclusion of the SIC in January.
0: I thought I knew the answer to that question, but clearly I didn't. That was, um, that was cool to learn about. So I actually have a couple of questions about the haunted house. So I think I'm going to go ahead and start with the haunted house first. Um, Because it's just a really cool and unique business and it's well worth talking about because your haunted house experience is very evident in your race time um, entertainment events and it's one of the things that I think makes your event so cool. So I think it's going to be very interesting for the listeners to hear that connection and how your haunted house experience and business is kind of intertwined with the um, with the RC world. So how did you get started? You you spoke to it a little bit, but how did you get started in the haunted house business?
2: Yeah, so um, I was at home one night and I was bored. And so I got online back when dial up Internet was a thing. And I, I told my wife. I said, "Man, I haven't been to a haunted house in, in well, I can't remember the last time I went to a haunted house. And uh, I think the last time I had gone to a haunted house was actually the J.C.'s back in Wyoming, where I'm originally from. So it was, you know, a very, very long time since I've been to one. And it's always kind of been something that that interested me. So." I found this, this place that was somewhat close to where I was living and I applied online and they responded to me uh, a few days later and I went down there. And the funny thing is, I was just going down there to maybe see if I could scare some people you know, for a few nights or whatever and just to see what it was all about. And after talking with the owners for a few hours, they offered me a management position uh, handling one of their haunted houses. Now uh, they had two shows, uh, so that is what kind of got my feet wet in the industry, kind of learning how everything ran. And because it was one of the bigger, more popular ones in the Atlanta area, uh, it really threw my, you know, threw me to the fire. Uh, I had to learn things quick, and 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 all that stuff. But then, as the years went on, I I got into set building. And, and helping them kind of build the show for the next season. And so, uh, I kind of learned the, learned the ways of, of how to build sets and paint stuff and all that. And, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I got my start with the, with the haunted house stuff. And then when we, when we decided to do the races, the psycho nitro blast, when we originally started, wasn't, wasn't themed at all really for just the 24 hours of craziness. and then after, after a few years of doing the Psycho Nitro Blast, that's when the Haunted House stuff kind of came around. Because that's when we founded and opened Paranoia Haunted House for the first time. And uh, so I kind of took that horror paranoia type theme and thought to myself, man, that would be a really, really cool pairing job for Psycho Nitro Blast. You never see RC car races. They never really have a theme outside of just RC car racing. So I thought to myself, if we themed a race that was kind of horror, blood and gore, and that would be really one of the first RC car events in the world that ever had a theme outside of RC car racing. So I took a lot of our promotional stuff that we were doing for Paranoia and I just started doing promos and stuff with, with a little bit more blood and gore and a little bit more edgy stuff. Like you can see some of our track names are, are like overdose and slow drip and just kind of making it a little bit more edgy to where it kind of had that shock factor for people. And, uh, and that just kind of got the ball rolling and we never stopped with that. Early on, I was kind of second guessing whether we were doing the right thing because we did have some people that sent us emails or text messages and said that, "Oh, it's way over the top, man. I don't want my kids seeing this stuff online or whatever." And uh, you know, we understand that, but the psycho nitroblast is the psycho nitroblast. It's just one of those av- events that could never be duplicated. And I just kept kept pushing that, and eventually, I think it's kind of really what is one of the main things that separates us from other events.
1: That's pretty good. Uh, interesting story there for sure. I mean, uh, I'm like, I'm like Katie here. I didn't know that the racing came before the, uh, the haunted houses and stuff like that. So that's, that's pretty interesting. And and I guess a quick lesson, life lesson is, you know, follow your passion, follow what you want to do, because it seems like you, uh, you know, you took a chance, you know, you went down to, uh, you know, Atlanta there or that first haunted house that you mentioned there. And, uh, you we went down there just to try to scare somebody, and then it, it kind of led you into, I think, what seems to be your, you know, your passion here. And then, um, I will say, unfortunately, I have never been to one of the haunted houses yet, but I hear a lot of good things. And like I said, obviously, Katie's leading into it there already. It's, it sounds interesting enough. But I think that kind of led to the next thing there. And you mentioned, you know, paranoia. And so I guess you had to come up with some sort of, I guess, maybe lead into it or a theme of how you, how you did it. I guess my question then would be is, is it like the races for your haunted house or, or like the haunted house for your races that how do you come up with the theme for the, you know, each track or, or each track build or each section of the, um, the tracks that you do? I mean, is there some you sit down and you brainstorm where you just kind of take bits and pieces from your your current haunted house and you make it into a hole and boom, there goes the track?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the track kind of kind of comes together just as a collaboration between me and Bobby Moore, the guy who runs RC Trackmasters. I've been working with Bobby now for over ten years. Um, he's been our main track builder for for all of the race time uh, events, and so we kind of get together. I do most of the track layouts as far as just the blueprint, and then I'll give him a call, and we'll kind of look at the different sections and all that stuff, and and brainstorm on what we would like to see. I have a few ideas, and of course, he builds tracks all over the country. So uh, he'll let me know what he's seen work and and what hasn't worked, and what maybe he would like to incorporate. And then we'll just make a list of things and and uh, and implement it once we get on site. Of course, we have the names, you know, you know, like. This year we have the straight rhythm uh, sponsored by Techno. A lot of our a lot of our sponsors want to keep that the same track feature, and uh, and so like for instance, this year the straight rhythm. I cannot wait to put that in because that's it's going to be all about timing. If you get a little bit off on your timing, it's going to screw that whole section up. And I don't know if you've seen the track map for, for this year's PNB, but it is a long. It's every bit of 200 feet in length, so it will be a true straight rhythm section. I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what we put in
1: there. Yeah, that part already scares me a little bit. Uh, I saw that part there, and uh, the track looks pretty big and pretty fun, so it will be exciting for sure, another great track, but um, that's good to hear that. And Yeah, Bobby does a great job. We just raced at a track last week with him and, or that he built, and um, yeah, he's, he does a really good job.
0: The track that we raced at last week was at s He just put a fresh new layout at S&B. And and i am going to go ahead and shout out that track right now since we're talking about it. He did a phenomenal job. And one of the things that I kept saying throughout the weekend is, because it was huge. I mean, it was really one of the biggest tracks that we have in this area. And one of the things that I kept saying throughout the weekend, I was like, man this is some good practice for psycho Nitro because the back straight is so far away from me right now. I'm like really getting some good practice right here with with depth <laughs> perception and a big track but but aside from it being big, it really was an awesome layout so it was it was super fun to race on that layout
2: yeah when i when I spoke with Bobby, he was super excited to go out to s and b they had had um you know, a few other track builders in there doing some layouts. And this was kind of his first shot at at doing a layout for S and B. And so he was, he was excited and, uh, and kind of ready to, to prove what he could do, you know, for those guys. So I saw some video, uh, had a great turnout. I know the SOS guys do a great job. The S and B track is probably one of the, the best outdoor tracks that we have in the southeast um so i was really really happy for everybody glad that the turnout was was awesome and and i love racing late into the night so when you guys like finished up around 3 a.m or whatever i was like man that's (laughs) what it's all about in in my opinion i love large crowds and staying at the track and late into the morning it kind of reminds me of the sugar bowl Uh, here in Georgia back in the day when 10 scale electric was the thing we would stay I mean we wouldn't get out of there until two three o'clock in the morning some nights and in my opinion that's just what it's all about it looked like everybody had a great time
0: thing that was most that I love the most about those kind of races is we're talking about they darn near had 300 entries but when you have that many entries it brings that much more competition so I love to have that much competition at any given race and even though it did go pretty late I thought that they did the best that they could keeping it to a one-day race and still fitting all of the racing in they did a really good job Alex Birmingham was the race director and he kept the show moving so they did a good job.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Alex does a good job on the mic. Um so, I'm glad that everybody had a good time and the track the track looked awesome.
0: Yeah. So going back to your haunted houses, um Derek kind of mentioned it too when he was talking about, you know, how you connect the themes with the RC track, but just when you're building your haunted houses One, do you constantly come up with a new theme every time you do a new haunted house? Because one of the things that I think definitely stands out about your haunted houses is how much kind of detail in theatrics there is when they come to paranoia. And then also, is there like any kind of behind-the-scenes magic that you can share with us that, like, really helps houses come to life, or really scares people, so to speak?
2: Yeah. So our theming it stays the same. Well, not the same, but it's in the same ballpark every year. So our main attraction is kind of geared around more of an industrial uh, style. That's kind of that's my favorite. Style of haunted house is more of the industrial type stuff. And then our secondary attraction is more of the old school, like log cabin, outdoor woodsy, you know, serial killer, uh, Bubba in a barn slaughterhouse kind of thing. Right. So, um, it's completely different one side versus the other. So I just finished all of the renovations or most of the renovations for the industrial side. And so our art the name of of that particular attraction we change every year and then we just change the storyline behind it cuz a lot of people that go to haunted houses want some kind of storyline to follow when they go through. So we'll we'll do a storyline that kind of uh describes all of the new renovations that we've made. And uh so yeah, I mean as far as the As far as the the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, um, most of our... Well, all of our animatronics are all pneumatic, so everything runs off of compressed air. So we have a whole bunch of air compressors that power uh, a lot of our uh, like pop scares and what we call animations. And so we also have up to 150 cast members, uh, live actors in the show as well. So there's a combination of live actors and then, of course, the animatronics that are all powered by air. Uh, We have a whole bunch of air cannons in there. So it's basically 5 to 10-gallon air tanks that are on a solenoid valve. And when you step on a pressure mat, it'll trigger whatever effect that you're going for. It'll either you know, blast the cannon at you or it'll actually trigger the animatronics. So there's a lot of electrical uh, stuff involved in a haunt. It's just you don't put up a whole bunch of walls and then have a whole bunch of actors running around scaring people. Uh, We have a lot of animatronics that get triggered when you step on the pressure mat. Also, we have uh, CGI effects, uh, which are basically used televisions and we can put a cool, Uh, Computer-generated image up on there, like a beast trying to break through a cage, or we have some uh, insane asylum people that are trying to break out of their, you know, room or whatever. So we try to do as much CGI effects as possible as well. So there's a lot that goes into it. If you guys ever get a chance to make it out, I'll give you a behind-the-scenes
1: tour.
0: That would be so awesome.
1: Yeah, that would be cool because. Now you know. Now you know. uh, It's like a wink, but now you know what to look for when you go there. You know, you got to walk the light. You (laughs) walk the eggshells, I guess, huh? (laughs) There's a lot involved in a haunted
2: house. You know, people don't understand that it's a billion dollar industry. It's there's, you know, it's there's a lot of people that love to get scared and and will pay to get scared. Mm -hmm. And so we have, you know, we have a wardrobe department full of of costumes. And we have a makeup department, and we'll have six makeup artists working basically two hours before the show, and you know trying to get a hundred people uh, painted up. And then we have a mask department. We have a lot of silicone and latex masks that we use as well, and also what we call half masks and face plates. Um, so there's a there's a lot involved not only do you do the the construction and the set detailing and all that stuff but you have to have a little bit of a electrical background you have to have you have to kind of know how to program all of the prop controllers you have to know how to repair a lot of the uh the statics and the animations that we have uh so there's a there's a lot of things involved in putting together a really really good haunted house
0: I'll tell you the air compressor type pop effects, so to speak, I like die when those happen. <laughs> and I'll I'll tell you a funny story. I'll make it as short as possible. Has nothing to do with RC cars, but it's probably definitely appropriate in this segment. My friend and I love to do escape rooms. And so we were somewhere. It wasn't even Halloween time. I don't think. I don't remember now. But there was this scary one and it had a live actor in the room. And so my mind's going into it because the whole point of an escape room is to get out of a room, right? So I'm just thinking like, okay, it's just going to be a bunch of puzzles that we normally solve, which is kind of a scary theme. Maybe the guy in the room is going to try to scare us. It was like so much more in depth than that. It was like a full blown haunted house. And We kind of debriefed with the people at the end um, and they were like, yeah, basically you guys were solving the puzzles really fast. So, you know, their goal is to keep you scared for an hour, not for you to get out of the room. So they told us that they kept giving us more puzzles to try to keep us in the room and scared for the full 60 minutes. I was like, what are you kidding me? I was like dying to get out of there by the end of it. But the most frustrating thing was every time I was like deep into solving a puzzle, like trying to figure something out is when one of those pop scares would happen or animations would happen. Like I'd be trying to undo a lock and all of a sudden this puff of air would flow out of the sink. I'm like, what the heck? Like, it was just crazy. And then the worst part was. There was a part where you had to, like, connect certain color wires. It was, like, real deep electrical stuff. So my, like, head is in the wall trying (laughs) to put these wires together. And the wall just dropped down, and it was some dude in a red mask screaming at me. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just – I couldn't get past that part. I was like, there's no (laughs) way I'm touching those wires again. But – I feel like I fully understand now how much can go into that type of event after going through something like that it's just crazy
2: yeah there really is a lot involved and if you if you want to do it and do it well you know the the bigger you go the better off you are and the more the more pop scares you have and the more cool stuff there is to look at uh, you know you're just going to to please the customers even more and you uh, that's kind of where we're at you know we've really really grown over the last four years um into one of the better haunted houses in the southeast so i'm proud of that and and like i said you guys ever get a chance to come by you need to for sure i know you guys are up in ohio right i saw on your facebook it says you're from ohio or something
0: yeah, I'm from Ohio, and Derek's actually from Pennsylvania. So we're both originally from the north. But we yeah. both live. Yeah. I live towards the Charlotte area. Derek lives towards the Greensboro area in
2: North Carolina.
1: Yeah, yeah are you close to Philadelphia? No, I was about three hours from there uh, towards the center part of the state. I was. So no, I was about three hours from Philadelphia.
2: I gotcha. I, I didn't know if you'd ever gone to Terra Behind the Walls at the at the penitentiary there in downtown Philly.
1: Uh, no, I, my my sister might've, she's, she's pretty big into uh, haunted houses. She's come down from Pennsylvania to go to some ones down here in North Carolina. And I'm sure that, um, like I said, if there's ever an opportunity to get her, she, she definitely die. She'd want, definitely want to come down to, you know, to see yours for sure. So I'll have to see what I can do to get her uh, motivated to come down that way. But, um, it'll be a pretty big trip for her. She's still in Pennsylvania.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure
1: but um but but real quick though because since we were kind of on it and katie kind of told a story i guess but is there has there been any like crazy or like really funny stories from the people who do obviously you said you know people want to come and get scared which obviously they do my sister's one of them yeah. and do you have any like funny stories though or like that happened to any of your uh customers that um or that i guess you're even allowed to, to say like anything crazy or like that they've that's happened to them
2: i mean we have people pass out all the time we have to shut the show down and, and try to wake them up. We definitely keep the, the smelling salts on hand. And, and we, you know, but uh, yeah, lots of people that pass out, whatever. Um, a funny story wasn't a paranoia, but it was at the old haunted house that I used to work for way back in the day. We had a giant pickle jar and, you know, those pickle jars can get pretty big. Well, it was one of the bigger ones. And uh, it was full of formaldehyde and pigs, like baby pig. <gasps> And uh, so one of one of the one of the actors in there had a frying pan. It was a kitchen scene and all that stuff. And he was swinging the frying pan around and the handle broke and the frying pan part flew across the room and hit that pickle jar and broke it. And so we had the most horrendous smell. This also happened on Halloween night when we were the busiest. And we had the most horrendous smell uh, in that haunted house. We had to shut it down for like an hour, at least my side of the attraction, and go in there with a, a whole bunch of shopbacks and bleach and and uh, cleaner and and try to suck up all that juice and pick up all the baby pig parts and everything. Wow. It was disgusting. I smelled like that for at least a month after.
1: And no fake smelling. No fake props there, huh? No. No fake smells or
2: props there at all. Uh, back in the good old days when you could do stuff like that.
0: <laughs> I noticed from Facebook that you did have some accomplishments with your Paranoia Haunted House. So, what accomplishments have you got within the business?
2: Well, we have, we have haunt review teams that come around and and go through all the haunts in the southeast and all that stuff so and you know we're always getting um high marks for our show and our outside atmosphere that's another thing too that kind of carries over into the race stuff is atmosphere um i always try to make the atmosphere atmosphere at the rc car races very similar to a supercross event you know of course not with the supercross budget but uh you know, I always try to have the laser lights and the, the, the smoke, the fog machines and the, the flame cannons and all that stuff. A lot of those effects we also use at the haunted house. And uh, so outdoor atmosphere, outside atmosphere is always a big thing at Paranoia. We have the loud music cranked up and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, we've we've won some awards for for being one of the best haunts in the southeast. So super, super proud of of that and where we've come since day one.
0: Now the listeners kind of have a background of exactly how much experience you have in this haunted house business. And if they've ever been to a race time entertainment event, especially PNB, I feel like they'll really understand where that comes from now. But kind of segueing into the RC part where we get into more of the RC talk is just the fact that you're really well-known in both industries for your ability to market or advertise um, what you're doing. I will say on the Paranoia Haunted House side, even though I haven't been to Paranoia, my absolute favorite trailer is the Christmas trailer for your holiday-themed haunted house. That little movie clip trailer is so awesome. And like, whether I feel like being scared or not, that definitely piques my interest. And even on the RC side too, you're very, very, very good at what you do as far as marketing and advertising. So just kind of talk to us about how you use your marketing or advertising um, to help, whether it be on social media or just attracting people in general in you know, it doesn't matter whether you speak to that as far as haunted houses or RC car racing, because I feel like you do it well in both industries.
2: Yeah. Visual marketing is everything. And, and so when we first started this RC car racing stuff, it was imperative that we had, um, you know, you didn't really see a lot of great graphics out there promoting a lot of stuff. And it was kind of way back before Facebook was even around. So once Facebook started and we could really, really start marketing to the masses via social media is when all the visual marketing really, uh, needed to be on point. And so, um, I just kind of self taught myself how to use, uh, you know, some Photoshop and illustrator and, and all that stuff. And then I also have a very talented person that's been with us since day one named Jacob Peterson. And he's, he's my photographer And he also does a lot of our video production along with some of the more technical stuff uh, when it comes to the race time um, stuff. So, uh, you know, Jacob handles a lot of the the video stuff for us. Um, Again, we'll sit there and kind of brainstorm the idea of what what we want to do, and then he'll put it all together. He shoots all the video, all the photos at the races. He does all the haunted house stuff and, and so he's been with me for over 10 years as well, ever since paranoia was conceived. And that's kind of where I met him at was, was first year paranoia. And so he's kind of grown, uh, with me as far as also learning, you know, camera stuff. And, and he was, he was always really, really, really talented with computer stuff and, and Photoshop and, and all that stuff, you know, Premiere, Adobe Premiere, the, you know, for editing videos. So, um, you know, just having talented people working with you is, is the key to, to success. And a lot of the promos that I do for the races, I do myself, but then when it comes to, to the video stuff and, and at least giving me pictures where I can post really, really cool stuff, uh, you know, Jacob is, is right there handing me as much ammunition as i can handle like the 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 picture of samantha my little uh the little crazy clown that i'm using for this year's psycho nitro blast stuff you know that was all shot at at the haunted house and, and samantha's one of our psycho girls so we use her a lot in in our promo stuff so yeah i've always tried to be one of the better the better motors out there when it came to 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 visual stuff and and i i think that we're by far the best out there when it comes to our promos and stuff like that i like too that it's all in-house we're not we're not having to to reach out to graphic designers and stuff to put this together we can we can kind of crank them out ourselves so we're able to have complete control on what it looks like and able to get a lot of stuff out there in a short amount of time
1: yeah it um <clears throat> i found myself i was looking at the track um the track picture just or the the, the track layout um, uh image um just yesterday and i and i stopped for a second because i looked at it again and i was just like man and i went to the facebook page and i was like everything all of these always look so good you know and they look so professional and um you know and and i um i, I know of jacob uh as well and uh, And I know know, as of late due to COVID, I know he's been building some gaming computers and things like that. So I would, I would, um, subscribe to the idea that I'm sure he knows what he's doing electrically, um, and things like that. But, um, yeah, you guys both do a great job. I mean, I've always thought, you know, the race time event, um, posters, flyers, whatever you want to call them are always, um, top notch and you can tell the detail, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I noticed about the event and, and it kind of goes back into, I guess, how you build your, what you described about the haunted houses in that there's so much detail that goes into it and if you're going to do it you do it right and and you can definitely see that in the races there because you don't do half you don't do half sorry for the young listeners half uh behind uh on the uh on the props and anything like that and um and like I said the the flyers and everything you can tell you don't do it there either so I mean you you, you go you the whole way and I think that's for sure the best way to do things but it it definitely shows you guys have some, some skill there on your team and and I think it's always appreciated because people know what you're going to get going into it, and I think that's uh, that's one of the big things when you're spending you know some money and you're spending that many that much time away from you know family friends whatever it it, it appreciates you you know, you know what you're going to get going into it so so thanks for all that thanks to your team and it, it's great to always have that um attention to detail
2: Well I appreciate that and yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that i've that I've always thought to myself was it's one thing to be able to go out there and put a race together anybody can do that right but but to do it and do it well and to do it right and to give people an event that that's worth the entry fee and not only the entry fee but the gas money and hotel and all the car parts and and whatever it takes to be prepared to go to a race time event Like that's event, that's what we're working for. Like we, we want people to show up and, and be amazed and wowed and have a smile on their face and, and party with 700 other, you know, racers. And, uh, we want the competition level to be high and we want the event to be, uh, prestigious and, and put together well, and, and just kind of have that wow factor. So, um, that's kind of what we always try to do at each event.
0: I've talked about this on the podcast before because the t sock series is a series that we run here in the Southeast. It's Brandon Mountain series. His uh, finale was supposed to be on the July 18th weekend that PNB got rescheduled for. And he was definitely like, oh, there's, I'm not competing with PNB. I might go to PNB. So he ended up rescheduling his finale. But my point to this story is that Dave and I had definitely planned on going to his finale because we love ski sock series. But July 18th is our five-year anniversary. Well, when we found out that p b was scheduled for that weekend, it was totally a no-brainer there. There's like no more fitting way for us specifically <laughs> to spend our anniversary. So we're choosing to spend our anniversary at p
2: and I will have to run over a bottle of champagne for you guys. That's awesome. <laughs> You for for doing that. Uh, what better way to race on, than being on your anniversary, right? Or what better way to celebrate your anniversary than racing at the PNB?
0: <laughs> I mean, we both enjoy racing, so it's fitting. But I mean, I have watched a wedding at the PNB, so there have been far more extreme things than celebrating an
2: anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty special, though. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I I hate rescheduling. Period. Um, and with us renting a facility and all that stuff, especially at the PNB where they kind of stay booked every weekend, it was really hard trying to find uh, a date that wouldn't collide with somebody else. And Brandon and I are good friends and and the the, the facility only had two dates to choose from and one was in September, which is just way too close to haunt season and 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 all that stuff so i kind of had to go with the the july date but uh i'm just glad we're able to get it in i was kind of worried that the covid thing would would uh not allow us to to have the psycho but uh it looks like uh we're good to go so i'm excited
0: yeah i'm excited for it too and i feel like everyone definitely understands that this was an extremely unique situation so i feel like everyone is very understanding of it needing to be rescheduled but that was actually one thing that i wanted to ask about which was just how has covid 19 impacted the race time entertainment you know events and kind of just share with listeners what the new schedule is because there has been adjustments to the schedule for those that aren't
2: aware yeah, so the SIC we were able to do that in January, and then um, you kind of got the COVID thing that that started to really become prevalent in early March. Really, is kind of when it was on my radar, and so I was in close contact with the with the facility director at Psychonitroblast. And the thing is, with that with that facility, is it's a state it's a community college, so it's ran by the state. And so they're kind of under a little more stricter guidelines, you know. So they, they basically made the decision to, to cancel uh, all of the April shows and really the May shows and the June shows. So the Psycho Nitro Blast will be the first event that they have coming back from the COVID stuff. So they have some guidelines for me that I have to follow. It's nothing that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, cause I have a big safety plan typed up for the haunted house. Cause you know, we, we pump through thousands of people through the haunted house. So, um, I've got a safety plan for that, that I'm going to kind of carry over for all of the race time events as well. A lot of it applies. And, uh, so I've just been talking with them and they have a few, you know, guidelines that I have to follow. And I, I I'm going to have to print up some signs or I'm, I want to print up some signs. They're not requiring me to, but I just want to print up some signs that tell people to kind of practice social distancing and you know, all of the, all of the standard precautions that you've seen out in, out in the world. But uh, the good thing is, is we're, we're able to have it. And, uh, and I, I don't think that we're going to really have any other difficulties. I mean, who knows? It's, this thing is changing week to week. So who knows what will happen come August when the Wicked Weekend rolls around. But um, I've kind of got a backup plan, you know, just in case the, the Wicked Weekend facility can't do it or whatever. Um, and So we'll see what happens. But I, I actually talked to the Wicked Weekend people today, and they seem confident that we'll be able to have it. And then hopefully things start settling down further into the fall. I don't know it just seems like it's changing you know every week so we'll see it's I'm glad to see that the local tracks out there are able to run and and are having really good turnouts and stuff like that so it's it's nice to see that guys are at least being able to run locally
0: you know, even with school, I'm a school teacher. Everyone asks me all the time, oh, what what does school look like for you in the fall? And my answer is still, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I really just truly don't know what it looks like. Um, but yeah, I would think Wicked Weekend of any of the events is probably the, I want to say, easiest. I don't know if that's the right word that I'm looking for. Um in this kind of COVID world that we're living in because it is an outdoor facility it's super nice that it's covered so like it's totally fine if it rains Um, but because it's an outdoor facility you know things are just kind of a little bit more open I mean I know you can open up the garages and stuff like that at Psycho Nitro and the Psycho Nitro arena is absolutely huge but I'm just saying I would think that Wicked of any of them would be the easiest to accommodate those sorts of things
2: Yeah, it just comes down to the state and what the governor is saying and all that stuff. And so I don't know. We'll we'll just see. We'll get the PNB under our belt and then we'll just have to move on to the next one. So fingers crossed, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we can have the wicked weekend and and uh, hopefully some sports start coming back, too, because I don't know what I would do without college and pro football.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm a, I'm a huge Steelers fan. So the thought of not being able to watch my Steelers in the fall is crazy. So is Derek actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 I grew up sure. following the Steelers. I was a big, you know, Lynn Swan, Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw
1: guy. Oh yeah. yeah Franco, Fra- Franco's a relative of mine actually there. So really, uh, no, no, no. But my, uh, because of my last name there my dad's tried to use that when he was younger <laughs> he, he went to a hotel one time and uh he tried you know one of the where, where they were at staying for a game and he tried to uh he tried to use that that he was related to him And didn't i don't think it worked but uh he gave it a <laughs> shot <laughs> but no yeah Steelers, yeah hopefully we get some sports back for sure i mean and like you said i hopefully for sure um wicked wicked wicked's one of my favorite uh race time events for sure uh uh I, I don't know it's just it, it's it's good, it's a good size it's a good track it's, you know it's always a, it's always a good competition so it, I'm looking forward to hopefully we can uh, keep that one there as well.
2: Yep, me too man, me too. You
0: talked about this a little bit, but you've been in the industry now RC industry for 10 plus years. So how has your brand evolved from where you started and where it is today?
2: Yeah, so you know, back when we started, the the Nitro bus was 24 hours nonstop, and after the first year, and and uh, not getting any sleep for basically a week because we were building the track and building the driver stand and all that stuff, um, we were 50 50 on whether or not we were going to do it again. Like it took years off of our life, and uh, and so we decided to bring it back. Um, but definitely on a, a slightly more milder uh, schedule. So we, we always kept 24 hours of practice. I kind of think that that's, that'll never change ever for Psychonitroblast. Um, and we still want the late hours. That's what the PNB is all, all about. So yeah, I mean, the, the model for PNB really hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I think the biggest change was probably with wicked weekend when we went to uh, a four day schedule instead of a three day schedule. Um, I think people, you know, as the entries grew, those really, really late hours started to come back and that's kind of not what I wanted the wicked weekend to be. I wanted it to be more of a laid back kind of end of summer celebration, uh, and so going to a four day and splitting up the practice sessions and, and adding a, a half day for that first qualifier really, really helped the late hours to where people actually chill out at night and hang out and drink a few beers with everybody and, and kind of socialize. So um, that was kind of the biggest change for, for the Wicked Weekend. And then race time, we bought uh, the AMS, the Alabama Manufacturer Shootout. Uh, three i think it was three years ago four years ago from chris cassidy so we picked up the ams so that added a fourth event at the time because we had the southern indoor championship down in in montgomery alabama and then most recently we bought the southern nets in louisiana so this will be our first year doing the the southern Nets. so um we we've definitely uh grown a little bit and and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I get tired just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. I, things together.
0: I love that there is 24-hour practice at the p and um, I'm sure my listeners are probably tired of hearing this, but <laughs> it's hard for me as a teacher. I feel like I can't really pick and choose my days when I take off. And so I feel like I just can't go to my principal and be like, hey, I need to not come to school on Friday and teach the kids because I'm going to a really big RC race. Um, I'll give myself a day every now and then. And normally it is for race time entertainment events. But I love the fact that I can have 24-hour practice when I go to PNB because if I don't get there right away when everybody else does, I still can choose to stay up all night And I often do (laughs) until I feel comfortable with everybody else on the track. So that is one thing that I definitely like. Um, And I feel like you just have to expect that when you go to PNB. That's part of what makes it psycho. The only kind of, I guess, critique that I would maybe talk about a little bit is just like, I'm totally cool with the late hours all through the weekend, but it's hard for me to take off Friday and Monday. I know that maybe that's just part of it and I have to deal with it. Um, But ending really, really, really late on Sunday is just hard to drive home. I remember the one year, I think it was two years ago, I made the A main of Sportsman Nitro Buggy and Sportsman E Buggy. And Dave was just like, Oh my gosh, did you really make the A main? Do we really have to stay here this (laughs) late for you to run your main? And I was like, Yes, this is a once in a lifetime experience. Like, we are not going home right now. Like, I am running my A main. And um it was e buggy and then nitro buggy and then e buggy again because e buggy was double A main. And Dave was like, Okay, well if you don't do well in your first one, if you're not gonna podium, then can we just leave after nitro buggy? And I was like, uh oh, fine. And so after the first one, I was sitting fifth and I was like, Oh Dave, we're still not going home. Like I totally have a shot at the podium right now. So like <laughs> We're sticking it out, but I ended up finishing third in Nitro Buggy, and um, I think I finished third in the next eBuggy race, but it put me fifth overall with points. So it was like one of the most memorable PMBs, but we didn't leave until two o'clock in the morning on Sunday night. And, um, I turned around and went to school at five 45 that next morning. And I remember walking into school thinking, oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. I was just racing three hours ago.
2: Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's tough because with the amount of entries that the psycho nitro blast gets and, 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 I, I like having uh a lot of people there just because it makes the atmosphere that much more electric there's a definitely a difference between a 300 crowd versus a 700 crowd and so regardless of whether we go to a four-day format um to where we do a thursday friday saturday sunday um you know the odds are if you do make an a main you're still not getting out of there until 10 11 o'clock at night really um maybe a little earlier in a 4-day format but i mean we tried 4-day one time and our our entry count was down and a lot of people a lot of people said that it just didn't have the psycho nitroblast feel and so i moved it back to a 3-day and that's what i think true psycho nit- nitroblast people want you know they go to that event they don't want to sleep they want the late hours and if you're lucky enough and talented enough to make an a main then that's just one of the one of the perks is to stay there late so just plan on if you're making (laughs) a main again katie make sure that you take that monday off you have to take the monday off Uh, (laughs) oh it's
0: so hard it's so hard but um i i totally agree and i think if anything you know, making it the longer event almost, I I guess I understand why it was lower entries because then it really does feel like it's one more day that you have to take off work. I guess my only thing would be like making Saturday the later day instead of Sunday being such the later day. I know that everybody Uh, uh, uh,
2: wants... uh, Yeah, the tough thing is we run qualifying up till 3 a.m., 4 a.m., um, True. So I it's, guess
0: maybe maybe my mind is more thinking wicked than P as far as that goes.
2: Yeah. But, wicked um because we actually have that four-day. But cool thing about the Wicked Weekend format is that Thursday, you have the option of either doing the Thursday practice session or you can do the Friday practice session. So for the people who can get off work and want to to have a few extra hours of practice on that Thursday, they'll actually show up and do the Thursday practice. And then the people that have to work on the Thursday can do the Friday session. So uh, in that regard, the the four-day format is way, way, way more relaxed. But back to that is public opinion says that they want crazy hours. And I don't want the PNB to turn into just uh, another wicked weekend or an AMS. I want the I want the crazy hours because um, that's kind of what it's all about. I'm
0: with you.
1: I have to share my my uh, my. He mentioned talented drivers, and I, I'm assuming he was talking about me. Um, so <laughs> no, there was a year, a couple years ago, where I did uh, I did the same thing, but we were running AAA main, and um, you know, I made E-main, I made A main and Chuggy and E Chuggy. And, uh, I had the same really story, you know, I, I was the, act- I was actually the last race and I was out there with, uh, Jody Smith and we, we up, uh, you know, pitting together and driving back and stuff, but I didn't get back to, to Greensboro. I can't remember the time we left, but we had to pull off and rest a little bit, but, um, I didn't get back to Greensboro until seven. I took a shower and went to work at seven thirty. and I was <laughs> no. I'm feeling the same way. I'm thinking, man. It's great to be talented, you know? No, I mean, it, no, I was thinking, man, See, this is going like, to be tough. That's how
2: you have to look at it.
1: <laughs> that, that's the reward, I guess. 24 hours of, uh, I, it was a long, long day. I can tell you that. And I'm sure Katie, it felt just like that for you.
2: I, I want people to feel like they got ran over by a truck when they get home from PNB. That's what makes it worth your money.
1: Guaranteed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's so exciting to make the aiming though. Yeah, like, it really is. After running, I podiumed at um, PMB and Wicked in the Sportsman class, and so I moved up to Open at PMB last year. But PMB was the only race that I was able to make it to last year. So I've like been dying to go back to a race time entertainment event to see where I stack up in the Open class. So my goal, I'm gunning for the A main in the open class this year, but we'll see.
2: We'll see. Well, I hope you all of the success in the world and uh, <laughs> and stick it in the A. That's right. We have the Joker lane coming back this year. So. so yeah,
0: Joker lane, something I wanted to talk about. So let's go ahead and talk about the Joker lane because it is one thing that I definitely think sets PNB apart from many, many other races because you do not see the Joker Lane very often in PNB. Even now that you've been doing it a couple years, no one has really like copied it or anything like that. So if you want the Joker Lane, you better be coming to PNB. If our listeners don't know what that means or what a Joker Lane is, just talk about what the Joker Lane is for a second.
2: Okay, so the Joker Lane there's two ways of doing a joker lane. You can take a joker lane, which adds time to your lap, or you can take a joker lane that, uh, takes time off your lap. It makes, obviously it makes a lot more sense to do a joker lane that cuts time. That way we're not wasting a whole big part of the track for people to only use once in a qualifier. So we chose to make a joker lane that actually shaves time off your lap. So, Last year, we had the joker lane right down at the end of the straightaway. When you come off pit lane, it was basically right in that area. And so you are allowed to take the joker lane and use the joker lane once in qualifying. And then for the mains, if you just divide your main length by 10, that basically tells you how many jokers you have for the main event. So if it's a 30-minute A main... You can use a joker three times. The only restriction is that you can't use the joker on the start. So you have to at least complete one lap, and then you can go ahead and use uh, the jokers whenever you want. Just don't use too many because it'll dock you a lap. It's all computer controlled. Uh, the joker lane has its own loop. Lifetime, lifetime actually is the one that makes it possible because they made it part of their system. So shout out to Brandon roadie and all the guys at Live RC and Lifetime putting that in their software. So it actually keeps up with how many jokers uh racers are using per the event or over the the qualifier or the main and uh and that's how we're able to do it. So this year I'm going to move the joker lane because it, it wasn't in the best spot last year even though it worked well I'm going to move it over by the staging area podium, uh, area side of the track. And then that way, uh, we don't have any issues with guys coming off that lane and, and colliding with people who want to use the Joker lane. So it's going to be in a, in a much better spot. If you do use the Joker, it's probably going to save you anywhere from I'm guessing seven to 10 seconds at this year's P and B. So, Ryan Lutz, actually, last year, he used the Joker on his second lap, and then he saved the other two for when he was going to pit his last two pit stops. And if you did the math, he was actually going to come out in the lead after his last pit stop, but that was before he ran out of gas. So there's a lot of strategy involved with using the Joker lane because your pit guy actually has to look up there and and do the math and see who has used the jokers and how far behind you are and all that stuff so it just it adds to the strategy and the fun factor i think um i didn't hear one complaint last year about people uh or or from racers about the joker lane it seems like almost everybody really really loved it what are your
1: thoughts I think it's great. Um, like you said, I think it's, a, it's another factor uh, into the racing that, that comes up. It, um, yeah, I think it's also an illusion at the same time, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's part of what people get to understand, you know, who maybe not know what it is just yet. Because you think, like, oh, I, get the, I can shave time off my lap. But if everybody does, then, you know, it's all the same. But you do want to make sure you take it because there were some cases where I think people were – I thought I had heard where they missed their, taking their joker lap, and then it becomes a disadvantage. So, um, but yeah, having an extra bit of strategy there to it, and um, of course, you know, watching you know the A main and those nitro guys with Lutz in the gang and is is always fun there, and and watching them blow through last year was was crazy because I kept thinking, man, they're gonna hit the they're gonna hit the loop or the, they were jumping so far and uh, you know, coming down the front stretch and it, it was cool to watch. And um, like I said, I think it's something that is good for the uh, the event. And I hope we keep, we hope we keep seeing it there for sure.
2: When we de- when we decided to do it, I'm like, man, we got to make this thing look spectacular, right? Like it's got to be out on the track, and it's got to look like you have to know exactly where it's at. And so that's when I built, uh, you know, this really cool metal bridge with the flashing beacon light, beacon lights on the top, and I had some graphics coming down the side. So I thought it looked pretty, pretty awesome.
0: I personally, as a racer, love the Joker Lane because. I will take all of the strategy that I can get to add into the racing. I am, you know, for me personally, I am very realistic. The the pro class in the Southeast pro nitro buggy is no joke. And I'm not quite fighting for the win yet in pro nitro buggy. I've made a lot of gains, but definitely, definitely not fighting for the win locally. So the fact that I can add some strategy into my racing is always what helps me. I, um, I'm known for my consistency, but being able to add that extra layer of depth of being able to decide when to do things and how is it going to benefit me the most really helps me as a racer because... I've been getting a little bit faster, and now with my consistency, I'm getting closer to those guys who I'm really trying to compete with. I can just kind of hang in with them a little bit and then use some strategy to my advantage. I think it just adds that much more to the racing and makes it so much fun. One thing that I love about it is oftentimes, especially in a 10-minute race, so if you're in a 10-minute race, Normally, I'll have to pit. I won't try to go ten. I normally don't risk it if i don't if I don't think that I need to risk it. but if it's only a ten minute race and you feel like you can go seven and seven seven and a half minutes, you can really pit any time between like three and eight minutes. That's a very wide pit window when it's only a ten minute race. so with that being said, oftentimes. If I have a window that big, I'll just be like, hey, call me in when I'm in traffic. Or if I'm not in traffic, just leave me be. Leave me out there. Leave me out there as long as you can. So the fact that I can make that decision on my own without even, um, without even including the sort of pitch strategy into it. Last year when I took the Joker lane, if I was in some like serious heavy like, oh my gosh, these people are holding me up or this is just sketchy how many there are of us in this particular corner right now. I'm going to do whatever I think everybody else is not doing. So if I like think these people have already used their Joker lap, then I'm probably going to go ahead and take my Joker lap just to try to get out of that traffic and get as much clean track as I can. So I think it's super cool.
2: That's the biggest thing in my opinion is traffic. So the guys who go out pro, you know, the pro guys they're a little bit different because everybody's pretty much on the same base. But when you're, when you're dealing with some of the the other classes Traffic is a big deal. And so saving those jokers for when you're in a lot of traffic, I think is the way to use it. Uh, Because those guys are going to dive back into the track and do a, a 10 second section, which this year is going to be extremely technical. And so potential of having those three guys collide in that section and lose a lot of time when you can bypass all of that and just go right through the joker lane. So. So saving it for lap traffic or just traffic in general is is the way to use the Joker, in my opinion. And then if you get through the run, if you're coming up on the nine minute mark and you haven't had any traffic, then use it. But I think in my in my opinion, always save the Joker until the very last or at least when you're in a lot of traffic.
0: Where did you get the idea for the Joker lane? How did that come about?
2: Supercross. So, I love um,
0: Supercross. I just watched uh, Supercross. Tomac take the championship.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am super, super bummed because I have the DVR set to record Supercross, but it's on uh, the CNBC or not whatever, or NBC, the sports channel. And they switched over to regular NBC for the rest of it, and it didn't record. So I didn't get to see the finals.
0: We had the same problem. I forgot that that was going to happen. And we watched the whole first part of it. And uh, we weren't able to watch anything but like YouTube videos to see no. what exactly, like a recap of it after. So we were actually in the same boat. We didn't get to see that actual, like final moment. But I felt like Tomac, it was a long time coming for him. Let's put it that way. So I was happy to see him get it.
2: Yeah, funny story is uh, I used to work at a bicycle shop uh, back in my, well, college years. And uh, I raced some downhill and all that stuff. And Tomac's dad at the time had a bicycle line. He made frames. They're not around anymore or whatever, but his dad was a big uh, mountain bike person. And so it's kind of cool to see that he has a son who's now a Supercross champion.
0: That's super cool. Before we... uh kind of get off of P and B we had a listener we posted we always post on Facebook before we do a podcast with anybody and ask if anybody has questions so one specific question that we had from you or for you came from Benjamin James he said Dave where did you come up with the idea for P and B
2: um well so back when we decided to do an RC car race um we wanted to make the event like the Snowbirds, and I—I I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Snowbirds, but that's a an on-road race that happens in a hotel, and it's basically around-the-clock racing for three days or four days or whatever it is. And so we there wasn't anything like that at the time as far as 24-hour racing. So we definitely wanted to do that, and then um, I came up with the word Nitro Blast, but we. We're trying to figure out a word to put with that, and uh, and so uh, my partner at the time, Oliver, just blurted out "psycho." And I looked at him and I was like, "That's it, man. That's what we're going to call it: Psycho Nitroblast." And the reason I think that it was a success right off the bat was Lance Norick at the farm recently had the worlds um, in two thousand and was it eight? Anyway. Uh, No, 2006, something like that. But he had the worlds at the, at the farm in Charlotte. And so we reached out to Lance and asked him for the mailing list for the worlds. And so he gave us the list and we went through in a spreadsheet and we did a 500 mile radius and pulled all of the names that fit in that radius and printed out the addresses. And then Ollie had his own business. He was a a mortgage broker, and he had a, a letter stuffing machine. So we actually printed out 500 PNB flyers, and we typed up a cool little invite letter for everybody, and we signed each one, and then we ran it through this stuffing machine, And it made 500 envelopes, and then we slapped all the labels on there. And so anybody, uh, well, who anybody who made the the list of 500 actually got a flyer in the mail. And that was kind of before you know Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, And that's kind of how we had our large turnout the very first year was just doing it the old school way of sending out the mail.
0: That's pretty awesome, though. I, w- I would have never known.
2: Yeah, so that's, I don't, think, I don't think a lot of people know that. I mean, there's probably people listening to the podcast that remember getting something uh, in the mail. But, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a huge help uh, for us to, to get the word out that we were doing this, this crazy event.
1: Pretty cool, yeah, pretty cool.
2: The second year, the funny story is the second year, because the first year was so brutal, like it was cold and the dust was horrible and the, um, the ventilation in the building wasn't as good as what the, the, the owner said it was. And so it was just brutal conditions that first year. And the second year, our entry count was way down just because people just didn't want to put themselves through the carnage again and we had the leap of faith too which was probably one of the biggest rc car jumps uh known to man on a competition track uh it was like an 80 foot gap or something and it shot cars damn near 20 feet in the air uh, when you were on the driver's stand you were looking up at your car that's how high it threw <laughs> cars, and so Uh, we, we had cars breaking left and right just because the jump was so radical and the temperatures were cold and, and it it was, it was miserable. That first year was, was tough, but, uh, it kind of burned, uh, an image in people's brains, uh, that to this day still lives. Like people still think that, that we have, you know, the leap of faith and that we run nonstop 24 hours, which you know, it, we, we come close, but we don't. But uh, but yeah, it kind of like just the psycho reputation was definitely born that first year. And so after suffering through the second year with a lower turnout, it slowly picked back up. And then um, here we are today with all, you know, in all its glory.
0: The name the fitting for it. <laughs> It just really explains the weekend in a nutshell, but it's part of what attracts people, too, and I just think it ties into kind of, like, the haunted theme perfectly, too. It's, like, you start to get a little little nutty, like, imagining things almost because (laughs) (laughs) you're so sleep-deprived.
2: Yeah. Anybody that ever says, Oh, you know, I don't like it. I hate it. You know, it's just the late hours and this and that, or whatever. I just flat out tell them, I'm like, Hey man, it's not a cookie cutter race. If you want a cookie cutter race, there's plenty of other options out there for you. It doesn't mean that you have to bash the event. The event is what it is. Um, if you don't like it, then don't come. It is not for everybody, but the few people that it is for we will bring the a game and we will put on a you know a psychotic event and that's what people come to experience they they just want that one time a year of no sleep and a massive track and and just the cool atmosphere of psychonauts
0: We joke because in the moment we're like, oh, my gosh, we're so tired. How could we possibly do this again next year? And then fast forward five years later, we're there every year. So it's like you just need one year of rest and you're good to go.
2: I leave there every year saying, oh, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then a week later, I'm like, oh, man, I really wish that psycho was again.
1: And the good thing is, this year you don't have to guess if it's going to be cold or not at the track. You know what it's going to be here. So um, it'll be nice and warm, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, it'll be definitely warmer. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully the temperature's not too crazy. It'll be warm, but but I'm hoping that it won't be too bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've had some cold ones, I know. And I've slept out in some campers and out, you know, and just being in the barns and that. And I'm like, man, it's tough, but I'm. People, people book this. You know what I mean. I, I've talked to a lot of teammates from Leeds Techno this year, and, and I've asked. I said, "Hey, are you going to do this race?" And he said, "Well, no, I got to wait because I'm I'm planning to go take some time off to go down, you know, to Wicked or or PND this year. Is what they're going to do. So it's a bucket list for sure, and um, it's more than a bucket list because you know, like I said, we've been I've been going to them since I started in I think 2016. I I only started racing in 2014, so I don't I don't go back so far. But um, I've been going as long as I've been able to, since I've been racing, essentially.
2: So. Well, I appreciate that, and, uh, yeah, i look uh, really, really looking forward to this year. I, we've got some cool things in store.
0: Kind of moving on to all Race Time Entertainment events, is there anything that we can expect new this year from Race Time Entertainment?
2: Um, let's see. Probably not a ton of new stuff. Um, we'll, have, we'll have some new uh, monsters walking around for the Monster Walk. Um, I always try to change that up every year and have some some fresh monsters for people to take pictures with. Um, I have added uh, a few more laser lights and and all the cool, uh, you know, special effects stuff that go along with PNB. Um, And then I do have something uh, that I plan on doing for next year, uh, but I can't tell you what it is. Oh, come on! Uh, it's gonna take it. It's it's gonna take the, the production level to uh to an all new high. So, but I can't tell you. I'm sorry. So sorry.
0: Oh well, I can't wait to figure out what it is. It, can you say if it's scary? Is it
2: something scary? Um, I can make it anything I want to make it. Okay. There's. That makes me the a little
0: thing. bit anxious with all the talk. The air compressors that you've been talking about, it's like air going to shoot out at me while I'm trying to drive on the driver's stand.
2: Yeah, so um, it's a lot of money. It's very expensive, uh, but I think it's going to add uh, a lot, a lot of cool things to the event.
0: Okay, well, you... You've at least heard about the new that there is a new thing next year on Race Like a Girl, so we can say we can give ourselves that.
2: Yeah, Um, and uh, have me on maybe next year before P and B, and uh, maybe I'll let the cat out of the bag. You you can
0: can live on your show. We'll try. (laughs)
2: Okay.
0: One thing new is you're running. You do have an additional class this year. You're running 110th skill Truggy this year, right? So what yes, classes mini are mini available truggy. at the race time entertainment event?
2: Everything from last year. And we have added a, uh, a 16 and under e-buggy class and a 110th mini Truggy. Mini Truggy is taken off. That's become a, a pretty popular class. Um, so, I'm excited about mini truggy. A lot of the SCT guys are kind of switching over to the mini truggy stuff. So, uh, they look like a blast to drive. I, uh, I'm i going to. Bobby Moore actually bought one the other day. So, I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> taking it out on the track and hammering down.
0: Some people may be critical of how many classes that you have. What do you have to say to that?
2: Hmm, I don't listen to them. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, You know, part of me, I don't want to run. I kind of feel like this. I don't want to run with with, uh, Spencer Rifkins and the Jared Tebow's and the Bourne Horse and the Lutz and the Mayfields and all that stuff because I'll never have a chance against those guys, right? Um, And so why would I want to go and spend my hard-earned money just to know that I'm going to get my ass kicked? That's no fun. You know, I'm all about competition, but I'm I want competition among skill level. And I think that's where the class breakdown comes in is it kind of groups people to where they feel like they have a shot. You know, if even if even if you're mid back, if you can pull out that one great qualifier or whatever, you have a shot. You have a shot at making the A and you have a shot at making a race time podium which is one of the one of the better accomplishments, you know, that you could ask for. So, um, you know, people will have their opinions on, oh, I would rather have 700 people and run one class. But when it comes down to it, those people, they wouldn't come. They wouldn't go. You know, those are people that are used to racing club races with 30 entries. And they would get sick and tired of it if they showed up at a race time event with 700 entries and they had to compete against 200 racers. There's a few out there that would enjoy it, but those few are the fast ones. Those few are the ones that actually have a shot at making the a with a hundred entries. The other guys, they would get sick and tired of getting their butt kicked every weekend by, by the pros. And so why not have more classes where people actually build rivalries? They build rivalries with that's why the 40 and over classes has become very popular it's bragging rights, you know, 40 and over guys, they, they, there's a lot of guys, those top 10 guys that go to all the race time events, they all have rivalries with each other. Um, and I talk to a lot of them and they, they really enjoy the 40 and over class just because they're racing with those, you know, with those rivals. So that's kind of what you're building with, with, with having different classes is you're building rivalries and, and, and uh, I, think it, I think it's just a better way to do things. Some people think that it's just an easier way to get your entry count up, but it's not that. It comes down to just having a shot, having a shot, you know, making a, a higher main.
0: My only personal kind of feedback on that is, if you will, whatever you want to call it, is that, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, actually, I didn't, I didn't ever mean to um, direct it at just the race time entertainment events. I have talked about this just in RC in general. And um, because there's so many classes, it is like, well, why is there not a female class? Because... I have to talk about this since it's race like a girl. And many of the the answers that I get from other people is because there are just not enough female racers. And at many of the club races or, you know, even nationals, I was at nationals last year and there were only two of us. So I get it when people say that there's not enough female racers and that's why there's not a class. But I would totally argue against that at the race time entertainment events because I didn't even get to go to Wicked last year. And I think I counted like 14, 15, something like that. That's crazy how many girls that you all draw to your event. So one, I love that. But two, where's the female class?
2: (laughs) Are you saying that you can't run with the boys?
0: I'm saying that there is already age separation as far as 40 plus and 16 and under. So anyone can get their double track time that way. Why can't I get my double track time with gender?
2: Some would say, well, I don't discriminate against gender. Okay. So I say you have to run with the boys. Some would say that females have better reaction time than males. You're at an advantage.
0: I have heard that before. (laughs) Yes. And let me also make it clear is, you know, I have two main goals of the podcast. One is just to get more females into racing in general. I feel like we've definitely stepped up our game in that area. But two, what I have still yet to feel totally fulfilled with yet is to not just get females into racing, but to really show that females can be competitive in this sport. Like when I go to the track, I want to be known as a competitor. I want the fast guys around here, like the DJ Hepler and Will MacGyvers, you know, at a local level to be like, oh man, is she going to beat me today? Um, You know, not saying that I'm ever going to get to the Jared Tebow Mayfield level, but I just want to show that we women can be competitive in this hobby, not just race in this hobby, but be competitive. So I'm with you as far as I, I would never just run the female class because, you know, that's, That's not what I'm trying to show here, but I would I would totally pay extra money for extra track time (laughs) to try to be the voice.
1: Uh, No comment. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I uh, I'm supporting Katie because I'm on the podcast, but no, I'm sure that it is uh, tough. But I do remember. One thing though, I I was at Wicked last year, and I did count because I was because uh, my girlfriend was running at that time as well, and I was like, man, there is almost enough for a class this year. Again, I'm not I'm not saying one way or another. I'm gonna stay on the fence, um, but um, but it it was cool though to see a lot more, and I think because of the event, uh, you know, the race time event having such a, a wide field, you know, it does open the doors for for uh ladies to come in, in in many different classes though you know what i mean nitro bug eaters e buggy i know kayla espinel runs and miss bella she runs um you know e truck as well and i know they run nitro truck and uh, nitro buggy and um and things like that so having the classes also does open it up i think for those areas that these ladies have been running in and with you katie you know you know with, what you're doing i mean you work hard at the podcast for sure and you know and promoting yourself and so i think you know, the effort there is, is not falling on deaf ears. I think, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, ladies come into the the sport here. And um, like I said, it's just about getting more and more and more because it is obviously a male dominated sport, but I mean, I mean, hobby or, or whatever you want to call it, but you're, it's getting there. You know what I mean? You, you were seeing the numbers. And I, like I said, I think wicked last year for me was the most that I had seen at a race. And it was pretty cool. And you know, when to count up all the, the ones that I just saw, let alone the ones that I didn't see. And um, so there's, there's some progress for sure.
0: So I have a few kind of last topics that I want to cover. And one of them is RCGP. So what are your thoughts on RCGP? And why I'm asking about this is because I feel like race time entertainment, if anybody, would you kind of ever consider creating a point series within the US or even joining forces with RCGP? Just kind of like share what your thoughts are on that.
2: My personal opinion is, is I'm not a big points racing guy. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of series racing as a promoter. I'm not a fan of series racing only because You know, round one, you're always going, there's always going to be a ton of people that show up and then round two, you're going to have less. And as people start falling out of the, of the series, you know, they're just not going to want to come. So I'm, I'm more of just having prestigious events where people want to fight to be, you know, psycho nitro blast champion or, or wicked weekend champion or whatever. So points racing is not really my thing. Not that it's not awesome, it's just not my thing. Um, When it comes to the worlds, I kind of consider the worlds to be more like the Olympics. The Olympics only come around uh, once every four years, and that is what makes it special, you know? And I think that that's why I really. Like the IFMAR worlds is because it's every two years, and guys have to to really, really work up to be successful at at competing at the worlds. Just because it's every two years, it's not like you get a yearly shot at it. Um, so it makes that title even more prestigious. Is because it's only handed out every every couple of years. Um, the one thing that i like about the rcgp is i do like the the media coverage i like the live the live media coverage i feel like they do a pretty good job at that um but as far as having a point series every year to crown a world champion yeah it's not really my thing i would rather see guys fight it out over a long weekend every two years just like they do in the olympics um, as a world champion. Now people would argue, well, you know, supercrosses every year and NASCAR is every year and formula ones every year. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, but those are multi, multi million and billion dollar companies or, or organizations that put these things on and it's just a different animal. It's not the same thing. And so RC car racing for a world championship every two years, in my opinion, just makes it more prestigious now i do like um i do think that there's a place for rcgp um you know i don't know if i don't know if they're ever going to get um the the prestige that the ifmar world championships have but that's something that they're that they're working towards so if it takes off it takes off who am i to say that it's not the way to go but uh but yeah, we'll see what happens with that. It's expensive. It's expensive for these teams to to fly all over the world and have a true world championship. Another argument that I would have when it comes to RCGP is unlike, you know, they keep wanting to compare themselves to Formula 1 and all this stuff, but it, the money's not there. The money and for these for the teams in RC, it's not there. They can't fly everybody out to Brazil and Taiwan and Japan and america and and race for a world championship financially it's just super super difficult to do just because there's no media money there you know unlike formula one who gets revenue off of tv and 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 all kinds of other things the rc industry doesn't do that now you'll hear that that's what they eventually want to do um but i just don't see uh it being able to to be marketed you know, for primetime television, like, like these other events are. Um, but you know, uh, they have a business model, they have a, uh, a, a vision and, and, you know, I do too. And that's yeah, as long as they stick with it, you know, maybe it'll happen, but, uh, yeah, series racing, just not really my thing. How do you guys feel about it?
1: For me? I, I mean, I didn't get super deep into um RCGP to be honest, but the idea was you know, it seemed, you know, kinda cool to have something there, you know, that was a little bit different. Like you said, I think the issue with it is the scale. And um getting you know, it'd be one thing if we had the all the drivers that were involved, let's say they were all in the US, you know, then moving these everybody around um you know, like, let's just say like, you know, RCGP always is going to have 15 top drivers. Those are that they're, they're committed to the series. And just like, like say the world of outlaws or something like, you know, something here in the U S where there's World of outlaw drivers and then whoever else wants to come. Right. So the idea of it to me, it was kind of cool because it, it changed that idea, but I just, I, I don't know that it was, it, like I said, it's just that it's possible um, it, at the scale that we wanted it to be. Um, it's, it's a shame and a blessing, I think, to have, drivers all over the world because, you know, it, it's it's great that the, the, the hobby, the sport it, you know, is that big. But at the same time it's a shame because you can't you can't truly say, hey, we're gonna pitch these guys together on a weekly, monthly basis to say, you know, here, here, go go battle it out. And that's from a fan perspective, you know, if we want to try to grow it in anything, you know, you have to have what you're talking about. The media, you have to be able to show you have to have somebody get committed to some drivers and, and feel like they're connected, you know, and, and while we do, I think we all have maybe some drivers we love to watch and things like that, but racers, it, you know, it just isn't enough. And having the ability to reach multiple people is, um, you know, millions of, people. it is difficult on the budgets that we have. But again, the, 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 idea of people racing, you know, um, in the heads up against each other for, you know, if top guys, you know, trying to watch it as what we would consider like a, you know, like a professional sport is kind of cool. And we I'd love to see more of the pro guys getting together all the time. Cause it's great to see them at like the big, you know, the PMBs, the wiki weekend. it's great to see these fast guys. I love being at the races just because of the ton of fast people there. Um, but it's just economical. It's, 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 it's hard to defend. You know what I mean? That to do, what yeah. you have to do it.
2: You know, it, they, they, they found out after round one and two of the first year that they did it, that, you know, financially it's difficult to make this thing happen. Like it's expensive to fly around the world. And and you know the luxury that they had was they were at permanent tracks, so as far as track building, and they didn't have to build a driver stand and and all that stuff. Heck, they didn't even put a podium together. You know, they just had a, a banners, and it was it was nicely done. It was put together well, um, but it costs money, and it costs a lot of money. And you, I know that media is expensive. Live RC is expensive. Um, uh, whatever media group they're using, which do a great job. But you know what? That takes a team of people. It takes a, t- a team of, of at least 10 plus people to put that together. And they're not working for free and it's tough. It is tough to make ends meet, especially when you don't have the entries and they weren't, they didn't have the entries. Um, at these other events. And that's one of the reasons why they wanted to do two U- US events is because the U- United States, they're going to draw a crowd. You know, they drew a crowd out in California and they quickly realized, oh, if we do two rounds, we're going to have a much larger turnout than we would, you know, over in Europe. So I don't know. Wh- I don't know what their business model is going to be going into, you know, 2021. Uh, we'll see. They'll probably have another. You know, two U.S. rounds and then who knows where the other two will be. But uh, tough to get people to want to fly all over the world because it's expensive. I think I heard that that plane tickets to that second round or third round or whatever was was around fifteen hundred dollars to two grand per flight. You're flying three or four guys out there, plus a team manager and a, a pit guy and 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 all that stuff.
1: That adds up. Yeah, the money's just hard to be there. Yeah. but Go ahead, Katie. Sorry.
0: I think that's why I asked the question in the way that I did. And, you know, as a racer going to the race time entertainment events, I would agree that I appreciate that the race time entertainment events are their own events because for one, I can't make every one of them. I would love to, but it's too hard to take off that much work. So I like that when I go to PNB, I'm fighting for the PNB title. And I like that when I go to Wicked, I'm fighting for the Wicked title. So I would never want to lose that. But I think why I asked the question in the way that I did is because it just does seem like I'm not even running. I'm not even remotely affiliated with RCGP. It just seems overwhelming to try to make this happen at a world scale financially, especially. So I think why I asked the question in the way of like, oh, do you see, you know, some sort of just like a US thing? Because it seems just like much more manageable and financially able to do if it were just in one part of the world. But it's like Derek said, it's like such a bummer not to get all these pro drivers together. I will say as a viewer, I was super bummed to see that the 2020 season didn't happen because I loved watching the RCGP races. I loved watching the best of the best drivers compete against each other. I mean, even when I go to PMB or Wicked Weekend, when I watch that pro nitro buggy A-man, I swear to you, I could watch them race for two hours and I would be sit there and just as entertained as watching them for 30 minutes because it's the best of the best in the industry. So when you're into it, you know, you definitely do have your favorite drivers and it's fun to follow through ever. And I feel like there is definitely a place for that with with people. It's just like how how do we get it to that level where everyone has access to be able to watch these races at the at that level which is kind of what led me into my other two questions which you pretty much answered in your response um i was going to ask about whether you were you know obviously you have live rc timing but if you plan on having live rc having live coverage at any of your events and you touched on that it's expensive but your events just have have such potential and gain a nationwide interest in what you're doing, whether the people are there or not. There's so many people just watching even the names <laughs> and where you can go to RC and look at the names of what's going on at PNB. So I'm guessing I know what your answer is, but I know that a lot of people would watch it if it did get that kind of coverage.
2: You know, it, it's tough because the the next the next thing that race time entertainment needs to do is increase the uh, on site media coverage. We can do a better job. Um, you know, we can have the green screen and we can have the two studio guys in there doing play by play. That's separate from the race director. Uh, you know, you have a color guy and then you have the play by play guy. Um, that is something that we need to do. It is very expensive to do. One of the reasons why we really haven't done it. Only because a lot of the money and stuff is just being reinvested into the, into the events to add to the atmosphere and all that stuff for the racers that are at the event. But it's something that I'm looking into, uh, and, and something that we're probably going to make happen, uh, for the 2021 season, as far as the media coverage, because I'm a competitive person and I saw what RCGP was doing and I saw the media, Uh, coverage that they had and it was it's better than what we're doing um but on the production side i feel like we're way better than them and so if we can get our events covered by that level of media then i agree i think it will definitely help the rc industry uh and it will definitely take race time to another level you know just like joey what joey does at dnc you know he has live RC come out and they put on uh, a great production. And that's kind of one of the things that makes the DNC, the DNC. Um, the bad thing is is that the overhead isn't quite what we have because we're running very, very expensive indoor arenas and we're building everything from the ground up, uh, which costs money and, and, and all that stuff. So, uh, but for sure, I'm with you 100. percent I think the media coverage for people who are at home or overseas wanting to watch race time events uh, could be better, um, and so it's something that uh, that is on our radar for next year.
0: My mom, like, lives in Ohio. She doesn't live with me in North Carolina, but she 100% understand how live RC works, and so. She- follows me darn near every weekend and knows exactly what races I'm in. But her first question to me always is, is there a camera there? Is there a camera there? Or do I just have to watch your name on the screen? (laughs) But um, she she watched me at nationals. And nationals just had obviously crazy good coverage. And I'm just like, mom, like, RC's not there yet. Like, not every event has that in-depth of coverage. But,
2: yeah, I mean, if you I want mean, to know did- what it, if you want to know what it costs to put on that that kind of coverage, it's it's every but every bit of ten to fifteen thousand dollars to have coverage like that. I mean, if you think about the manpower that it takes, not only do you have to have a switchboard operator, you have to have your color guy, your play-by-play guy, you have to have at least two or three camera guys. Um, you have to find hotel rooms for them. You have to uh you know it it gets expensive it gets super super expensive they have to travel out they have to travel back you have to pay for gas or flights or whatever uh so it adds up super super fast when it comes to that level of of media uh and that's kind of one of the reasons why rcgp kind of struggled the first year was the media was expensive not to mention when they leave the track you're editing photos, you're doing videos, you're doing all these documentaries and all that stuff. And if anybody who has ever done video production, they know that that takes a lot, a lot of man hours. And if you're not getting paid for it, you're going to quickly get burned out. Um, so I am working very, very closely with Jacob uh, on how we can do things ourselves um, remotely and... uh and so we've got some ideas, and uh, we've got some companies in mind as far as camera equipment and and stuff like that, to where we could possibly do a lot of things remotely um, to cut down on personnel costs and stuff like that. And then, uh, of course, um, we're looking into live RC broadcasts as well, and and uh, and seeing if we could work a deal out with all the race time events. Um. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think the media coverage could be better. Um, we already have the best software out there with Lifetime. If we can just get some, some cameras uh, going and get some, some moving cameras and, and record all of the qualifiers and the mains and all that stuff with moving cameras and some commentary, um, that's just next-level stuff, and that's something
1: that we have to do. You see you now there was some new stuff that you're talking about that's some good news I mean that's that's fun news to hear for sure and and I, I, I joke by saying that but that's pretty cool to to hear I mean uh, like you said I, when I first got into this I mean i I, I never found people I can never find anybody who liked racing as much as me and and it sounds like you know you're not satisfied until you you, you continue to do more and, and to make it better and I think you know having that at one of those races you know that that uh, that difference you know and the cameras the anything is is a is a great opportunity for it. racing, you know, like this to the next level for sure. And I think that'll be a, even more of a lure for people to to want to come to the event, you know, to that uh, visibility and things like that for sure.
2: It's tough because you know you're you're trying to figure out okay, so I have to pay the bills at the end of the day, right? Um, and I'm not selling commercial ads. I'm not really gaining any revenue from the media itself. So there's, you know, so. I, I'm really just benefiting the people that are staying at home and not paying the entry fee to come to a race time event. So I'm I'm kind of working backwards. Do you know what I'm saying? By per, by that's spending where, major money on that's media
1: good point. Though.
0: That's where my brain is at right now is is there any And it, It's kind of where my brain already was before I even asked the question. Is there a way for RC to make money to alleviate that cost with media or things like commercials? Like
2: okay. you, so, there's
0: been a lot of talk about trying to get RC more TV coverage in general. I mean, yeah, do you I have mean, any I, thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think that there's an avenue for that. I've explored a few avenues that that appear to be promising, but when it comes down to is just trying to utilize technology that we have. And that's kind of where I've been leaning on Jacob to kind of say, Hey, this is, this is the money that we can spend on this. How can we do it ourselves at an affordable price and, and have uh, a top level broadcast and without having, you know, without having to go and get extra sponsorship Um, and all that stuff. Now I've been very blessed with the sponsors that sponsor all the race time events and a lot of that, a lot of their sponsorship goes in to the, the production of the events and also some of this camera equipment that we're looking at. So there is hope. And I, uh, you know, it's been a long process. I mean, we've been looking at it for the last couple of years on how to do it and how to do it well. You know, are we spending, are we spending a lot of money, and we're going to get results that we expect? That's the, the big question. And technology has come a long way in the last uh, few years, few years as far as um, remote camera equipment. So uh, we're, we're looking into it heavily, um, because that is kind of kind of the next thing that we really need to focus on, for sure, is getting a quality broadcast. Without, without losing a kidney over it.
0: I didn't mean to sound like I was ignorant to how much that it probably cost either. And it's totally understandable that the people at home are not paying. And I don't know if there's any way that there can be a cost tied to it. But I feel like, especially after watching RCGP, seeing that interest, and then even just like the recent facebook video that went viral like totally viral right now of you know someone pitting someone else it got a crazy amount of views and was on sports center i just like you know seeing things like that i see i see the interest or the potential that it could possibly have and so that's why it just makes me wonder like is there a place where it can at work
2: yeah, I mean, I think it can work. It just, uh, it's going to require something other than manpower because it's expensive to bring a crew of, of media guys out to an event. RCGB will tell you firsthand that it's expensive to do. And I can just about imagine that a lot of those guys worked for free or worked for very, very little money that first year and you can only do that so long before you're like, you know what? It's just really not worth my time to do this for, you know what I mean? So it's tough. Uh, people don't understand how, what kind of manpower it takes to, to do uh, a production like that. I mean, even Live RC when they do the Nationals and they do the DNC, I mean, you can, it's, 10, it's 10 people easy. It's 10 people mm-hmm. easy to, to, to make that to make that happen and that's expensive. I mean I I hired Live RC to come out and cover a Psycho Nitro Blast one year and it was extremely expensive. Extremely expensive. Um but you know what it's but it's just what it costs. I mean if you go down the line and look at what everything costs I mean they're not making a ton of money either. You know Live RC doesn't make a ton of money when they go out and do these big events. Um, but it's still outrageously expensive. So it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to do for sure. Um, and that's kind of why we're looking at, at other avenues to make it happen without bringing out a huge amount of people to, to do it.
0: Well, it was, it was definitely cool to hear and talk about things that um, you're thinking about with it. So we look forward to possibly even having you on. <laughs> next year and talking about it more and just seeing how much it's evolved since then. But we always do a finish my line game show. It's a really quick game show that we do with our, um, with our guests. But before we go into the finish my line game show, you mentioned that there are a ton of sponsors on board with your race time entertainment event. So are there any that you want to address or thank at this time?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. um, Definitely Absolute Hobbies, um, Techno RC, J-Concepts. Those guys have been with me since basically day one. Um, So huge shout out to to them. Yeah, Absolute Hobbies, J-Concepts, Techno RC, Reds Racing, TLR, aka High Tech, Beach RC, On Point Graphics, Kicker Audio, and Spectrum Radios want to thank them for the continued support a lot of those guys have been with me for a very very long time and and uh can't thank them enough
0: awesome yeah there's definitely a lot of support but you've got a good thing going that's for sure Derek you have anything else before the finish Fine line game show
1: um I mean no I mean I, I mean, my sponsor list is much shorter if that's what you mean but uh I'm <laughs> left. No, no um no I think it's I think we've covered a lot of yeah, <laughs> no, I'm working. On, I'm not. I'm up to like three now, but I like to keep my, you know, my circle kind of close. You know what I mean? But, uh, but um, I guess you know if you did put this on there, obviously i you know, my sponsors being Techno, uh, Hobby Wing, uh, and uh, Proline Racing have always been fun, and then obviously Race Like a Girl. You know, a lot of my racing does revolve around, you know, the ability to have his you know, sponsors represent them because, you know, it does take money. And we've mentioned that a bunch, a bunch tonight. And, um, you know, even weekly club races can take a lot of money if you're going to try to do it right. So nonetheless, it's it's I think other than that, though, we've covered everything. I mean, with Dave here, pretty good here. I'm just interested to see what his uh, his one liners are going to be here to the game show. Kind of nervous. All right. Always tough.
0: Well, since we're on thank yous, I'm going to take a second before we go into the finished My line Game show and just say thank you to everyone um, this past weekend who has showed a lot of support for Race Like a Girl. You know, we tried to make it so that Race Like a Girl is completely a free podcast. We don't ask for Patreon support or anything like that. But We have been selling shirts recently and a lot of people supported at the track this past weekend or did pre-orders, you know, whether you bought a shirt or not, it's just very evident that there's a lot of support for race like a girl. And so we appreciate, you know, you letting people like me race with you guys and have fun playing with toy cars at the track. So we really appreciate you guys. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and shout out one person specifically to Mike Anderson. He, He, at the SOS Series race, paid for some Race Like a Girl shirts with the note of, hey, anytime you're at the track and you see a girl racer, go ahead and give them a shirt without making them pay for it. So he basically paid for a bunch of other female racer shirts, and his note was that hopefully it helps get get more females into the hobby because he sees it as important especially having a daughter so um that was a very kind gesture and we thank you so much now For the moment you've all been waiting for, this is the Finish My Line game show where nothing is made up and the points don't matter. The rules are simple. Finish Katie's sentence. Now, back to our host, Katie Carmen. So this is the Finish My Line game show. So the first question, we're going to direct it towards Dave. My favorite RC class is...
2: Pro nitro buggy.
0: Derek, my favorite RC class is?
1: Used to be chuggy, but transitioning to an e-buggy while I want to make it nitro buggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that, that was an interesting answer. Um, Dave, the coolest thing I've ever witnessed in RC is?
2: A Ryan Lutz backflip and also there was one car that got stuck at the top of the great wall uh and balanced it perfectly on the chassis oh, i do remember that, that is
0: awesome okay it derek, was like the, a,
2: it was like a 50 50
1: grind it was awesome
0: that's great derek the coolest thing i've ever witnessed in rc is
1: uh, I think it was the first time getting to see uh, going to the ENATS in 2015, and get, just getting to see the pro drivers, people who get to do it for a living.
0: If I got to play, I was gonna say the rocket car one.
1: Uh, yeah, that was cool too. I- yeah,
2: last year's techno rocket car was
1: awesome.
2: That was, that was cr- crazy.
0: All right, so back to Dave. The time I was most scared by something was when.
2: When my son woke up at 7.30 in the morning at age 5 and decided to walk down the street out to the main road.
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy.
2: I think he was sleepwalking. He doesn't remember a whole lot. And he said at the end of the day, he was like, I think I was just going to school. Like, dude, what are you talking about? It's summer.
0: Derek, the time I was most scared by something was when? Are you not scared by anything?
1: No, I'm I, sorry, I, I, I drew a blank here on this one. I, um, huh. um, while attending a uh, race time event, Psycho Nitro Blast. <laughs> the hanging bodies were free. Yes. I'm going with that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the hanging bodies. All right.
0: <laughs> My favorite thing about haunted houses is...
2: The energy. I love, I love looking out there and seeing a couple of thousand people in the parking lot waiting to come through
0: derek my favorite thing about haunted houses is
1: i just i like the idea of being scared as well um that's yeah i like the idea of being scared sometimes
0: my favorite race time entertainment event is
2: psycho nitro blast
0: i feel like i knew that answer from you and i feel like i know derek's answer
2: kind of where it started so it'll always it'll always have that sentimental value
0: derek my favorite race time entertainment event is
1: Uh, wicked weekend
0: i knew you that one all right back to dave one thing i plan to do other than rc racing this summer is
2: go out on the lake
0: oh that's fun derek one thing i plan to do other than rc racing this summer is
1: well, I was supposed to go to Hungary, so pretend like I was going to go to Hungary.
0: You for sure don't get to go.
1: Uh, it's it's up in the air still. You know, with everything that's going on, we haven't really decided. If it's Still going to happen or not? But that was pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I did go last year, but um, but that was it was pretty cool to think about going again. I
0: don't even have a passport. I should probably work on that. My favorite pro driver is.
2: Oh, I can't answer that. I don't really have. (laughs) I've made I've made so many friends. Like, I honestly don't really have one. Um, I will say that that Ryan Lutz, he was well, he was the first big pro that we had at the Psycho Nitro Blast. And he was there at uh, year one. He attended year one, and he only missed one PNB, and that was when he signed the Durango deal and went to Taiwan. So as far as that's concerned, uh, I have mad respect for him just because he's been the longest pro that we've had. Um, is that too long of an answer?
0: No, that was totally acceptable. I was actually okay, okay with you saying that you didn't have one, but yeah, that I, was very Yeah,
2: I really don't. Yeah, I mean... Um, I've just become friends with so many of them that, uh, you know, I I don't really have one.
0: When we had Megan Tebow on the show, I had to ask for top three because it was very apparent that she was probably going to say, Jerry, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Derek, my favorite pro driver is.
1: Ah, uh, well, it, my first the one that I really knew or got to meet was Ryan Lutz. So he started out as one and he still is one. Um, but I've gotten to talk a lot about to Joe Bornhorse. So he's become a, a favorite of mine now as well.
0: Okay. I figured, I figured it was very techno inspired. Um, <laughs> okay. The thing I look forward to most about at PNB is.
2: The flamethrowers.
0: Those are pretty cool. You
2: can feel See, it's
0: me. all in the detail at P and yeah, You can feel
2: the heel. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm I'm big on that kind of stuff. I, you know, that's that's really my forte is lighting, sound, flame throwers. I always wanna make the podium look the best, you know. That that that's the kind of stuff I really love to do at Psycho.
0: I had a question that said something like, what do you think sets PNB apart from other races, especially because it's known as the pinnacle race? I feel like I didn't even need to answer it, though, because it was so obvious what sets PNB apart just from us talking. It's just the attention to detail like that is just crazy and one of a kind of experience when you go to PNB. Um, All right, Derek. What do you look forward to most about PNB?
1: I think it's how big the jump is gonna, The biggest jump is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> or I can break my car, maybe.
0: Okay. My most memorable moment at a race time entertainment event was?
2: Um, not getting any sleep for four days straight and passing out in the back of my Tahoe. And then waking up to Oliver banging on my window telling me uh, to get up because he needed help uh, doing track maintenance. I had never <laughs> been more tired in my life. That was first year P&B. And I, I can remember every second of that event only because it was excruciating. <laughs> it was psycho. Oh, yeah. I got another, another one. Can I, can I share another one? Yes, of course. Okay. So the timing and scoring booth at the first year, we didn't have like an enclosed structure. We were out in the open and we were in behind the driver's span stand. And it was so cold that we had one of those little heaters that hook up to like a 20 pound propane tank. And that heater was going, you know, full blast. And Oliver comes up in this PNB jacket that we had, you know, screen printed and everything. And we're all freezing. We can't even see straight because we're so tired. And he sits down and he falls asleep in his chair and his jacket catches on fire. Oh, and so my we're trying gosh. To, yeah, so we're trying to put it out and it melts his whole jacket. And he was so mad because it was his brand new jacket. And uh, I was good times that first year. Good times.
0: Oh, that was the first year too?
2: Oh, yeah. And uh, my son was. Was born the first year too.
0: Oh wow, man! <laughs> nothing can top that first year P and B. Yeah,
2: you uh, really um,
0: can't. Oh, uh, Derek, my <laughs> most memorable moment at a race time entertainment event was
1: uh, last year, Wicked Weekend. I finally made a podium in uh, four wheel drive short course, so that was my first podium at a race time.
0: Okay, Wicked one goal. Boy... It
1: was at, Did I say Wicked Weekend? But it was that Wicked Weekend.
0: I don't know, honestly, but that's super cool. I remember watching it,
2: actually. I have another story. Okay. I almost cut Bobby Moore's leg off with a angle grinder at the P&B. Oh. We were doing track maintenance, um, and he came over and tried to body slam me. So I took the angle grinder with this big metal cutoff off wheel that I used to cut the, the pipe and I swung around and I was like pretending that I was going to cut him and I actually hit his leg and uh, he had to go to the hospital wow. oh
0: my gosh
2: <laughs> and he, I think he got like 20 stitches or something in his shin
0: I wonder if he has this scar to still showing oh, yeah.
2: yeah it messed up. it messed up his tattoo and everything he definitely has a scar you'll have to ask him next time you see him
0: Okay I all right, one goal I have for the 2020 season is to. It doesn't necessarily have to be RC related.
2: One goal I have for the 2020 season
0: Yes, it can be it related to. to race
2: time.
0: I meant it doesn't okay. have to be you physically racing. It can be related to a goal that you have for your race time entertainment events.
2: Make like, sure there's a certain number of it?
0: entries that you want.
2: Oh, I just want people to have a smile on their face. I just want them to have a good time.
0: I feel like everyone is just so looking forward to having an event to go to. I'm just so bummed that Nationals is canceled. And so it's just nice to have something to look forward to. Derek, one goal I have for the 2020 season is two.
1: I want to get more consistent with my e-buggy.
0: I feel like I'm definitely lacking an e-buggy too, but I think I'm going to try a uh, Nitro Truggy at race time entertainment event this year. So we'll see how there that
2: you. goes. Okay. Go. That would be are
1: fun. Yeah, there I've
0: never know. raced one before, but yeah, I'm going to give it a try. All right. Last question. My favorite Supercross driver is
2: Ryan Dungey.
0: Okay, good answer. Derek, do you even watch? I to cross?
1: I used to be James Stewart. Um I don't watch a ton, but uh um, but I kinda like uh Cooper Webb now as well though being uh from North Carolina. Uh
0: Stewart's brother still races. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I was you know, I was I was partial to I was partial to uh, to Bubba, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I change I wanna change that Pastor or
0: Uh we can we can do both. We can Derek kinda gave an answer for both. So we can do one past, one present.
2: I am kind of a tomat guy when it comes to the present. And then I think I want to change the past one to Carmichael. Oh okay. Even though I it's a it's a tough one. That's a it's a it's a coin toss between James Stewart and Carmichael. It's a tough one. That's a tough
0: one. I love watching supercross. That's all I know. Yeah. I normally have to watch it on Sunday, though, unless we're really back from a racing time. But it's still fun. I love watching Supercross. Or the best thing is if you finish in time to watch Supercross, you just go to, like, a restaurant or bar or something and watch it with all your friends who you've been racing with. That's the best.
2: Yep. Been there, done that. Yes.
0: Okay. So that was the last question. So we just want to take a second because we know we've took a pretty big chunk of your time out tonight, but we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to us. It's been a lot of fun, um, to talk to you about everything from haunted houses to RC car racing. Um, and it's just really interesting to get your perspective on everything. And, uh, we really look forward to seeing you at PMB. So thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity being on your show. And
1: uh, I'll look forward to seeing you guys in July. It's good having you there, Dave. I appreciate everything and some of the stuff you've shared. I mean, it's like I said, I, your, your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. And um, like I said, I hope, hope the payback that we can give to you is you know, coming to the events and having a good time.
2: Thanks, Derek. And thanks, Katie, for having me. And uh, we'll see you
1: soon.